All right. Hello, everybody. This is Josh, also known as Yashu, and you're tuning into episode 16 of the TLOY Talks uh, podcast. And today uh, we have a returning uh, member uh, back who's back with a new band, Ethan, formerly of the Boogie Boards, now with American Def Cult, along with other members, Demarion and Carter. How are you guys doing today? We're good. How about you? Doing all right, guys. I, doing pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, I've been uh, tuning tuning into like a couple of the songs uh, right now, and I kind of like the process of how yeah. like th- those songs are going. So, more about American Def Cult. They're an they're a band out of uh, Greensboro, North uh, Carolina, and they make a lot of unique uh, music in that sense too. They'll be having an upcoming album uh, soon uh, called uh, Skinwalker. You definitely have to check that out. So, like when it like gets released. So, yeah, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. 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 <laughs> nah, most definitely. So I want to talk uh, more about the band uh, right now. So like, how did you guys like meet and uh, form this band by any chance? Okay, so uh, I'll go. Christian Mingle. No, that's not how we met. <laughs> no, it's farmers only. Yeah. Recently, farmers only. Guys. So I'm at Carter. I think it was, uh, we were just talking online. You, uh, you. I don't know if I did or you did. I think I did. I had a ad on a Craigslist, yeah. and um, we happened to know a few of the same people. people. Um, so luckily, he wasn't a stalker or anything or some crazy person. Because for now, you know, mostly when I put that ad up, I got old from or uh, got messages from old men trying to sleep with me. So luckily, <laughs> he wasn't one of those. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because like me and Carter, <clears throat> we talked like on and off for a while, but we just got like busy with like our like work and social life. So we kind of like, you know, kept in touch, but like nothing so deep. And then one day I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to need a bass player. And Carter was the first person I thought of. Actually, that's a lie. He was the second. Damn. But... Yeah. And. We met Mario or Demarion D, whatever. Um, uh, because, well, we had a drummer. And long story short, there's some, like, something popped up and he couldn't drum with us anymore. So I hit up my boy Bobby from the legendary group known as Monkey Mode. Monkey Mode? And uh, he suggested Demarion. Like, even before Demar had a chance to say yes or no, we kind of just snatched him up on the street one day. That That's that's pretty accurate. I got a random call. And like, you want to join my band? Uh, yeah, we talked for, like, 20 minutes about, like, just random food and Taco Bell. Taco Bell. And we were like, yeah, why not? Let's try it. And now here we are. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, for even, I know, like, it's a different transition uh, right now because, you know, you were in another band before, too, in the past, too. So what made you decide on transitioning from that previous band uh, to this band now? That's a good question. Uh, I feel like a lot of people have that question. So before we were American Death Cult, this is an exclusive. We I changed the name like five, six times. And uh, I was because I wasn't happy with the band names. I 
they're either too specific or not specific enough, or they just didn't have like a story or meaning behind it. So I didn't really like it. Um, excuse me. We, why I decided to go with American Death Cult was it's like more of a broader term in a sense, but yet also it sounds metal, it sounds punk in a sense, like has that youthful, rebellious energy in a sense. And I got it from one of my favorite bands for a little bit was like called Teen Suicide. And I was like, I can't name my band that because my mom would be very sad. So they changed their name to American Pleasure Club. So I was like, pleasure, okay, opposites, pain, I death, uh, club like a cult psychic like club in a way you know just like playing little word games in my head and it also comes from um let's say panic panic movement in like the 70s and 80s because like in that time period especially like christian moms were very up in arms about like kiss and uh kiss Groups like that, like Knights of Satan service. And I thought, you know what, that was extremely funny. I'm gonna mock that. Yeah. That's what it means to me, at least. I could be wrong. Like, Carter could have a whole nother opinion on it. So, well, um, for me, the name was just something I liked. Honestly, I don't think I have a whole deep story or like meaning behind it uh like Ethan does to me it just sounds nice and it's what we went with so that's kind of where I stand I guess I had some mothers uh Mexican pity party <laughs> was an option an Australian board of death and destruction that one goes a little too hard the world's not ready for it's that too long but uh, the other one was Canadian Fun Club, and that one sounded lame. Sounds like a secret organization of like uh, creeps. Yeah, now I'm most definitely, and I know also too with you know the uniqueness of certain bands. And they usually have it like within like a unique form of music or subject matter or like everything else too. So with American Death Cult, uh, what makes like that band like unique in that sense too that's different from like other bands? I'm gonna let Mario take this one because this, this is a serious question. I feel like with most other bands, like, like, well, for people in music in general, they're in it for mostly wrong reasons. Like the wrong reasons outweigh the just love for music and just wanting to play and perform, having fun with it. With us, like as long as we're having fun, like we're going to keep doing it. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, definitely. And, and another reason, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I just said definitely. I didn't. Yeah, uh, another reason we decided to do this was to poison the youth of America. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Pretty he poisoned much. yesterday. 
We we poisoned so many youths. It's insane right now. Gosh, it's it's wild. Wild. Yeah. Not like that, but you know. Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean. And you know, like since this is like your first time, so Demirian and uh, Carter, uh, tell me more about like your story on like your upbringing and all that, and like how you guys like both got into like music in that sense too, and what made you decide on you know becoming uh like rock artists in that sense. Uh, Demarion, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, so I'm 17. I turned 18 in August. Um, but I was born in Michigan, moved to North Carolina when I was three. And like, I kind of played, started playing drums around the age of two. I feel like this is a universal age for drummers, but <laughs> started playing around two. And I got into rock music around like eight or nine. And it's just kind of been my, I guess you'd say most common genre that I enjoy playing out of them all, because I do play them all. But yeah, rock is just kind of like, I like you here. So kind of stuck. Um, and for me, I guess, um, I've probably been playing bass on and off since I was about nine years old. I've probably had an interest in music in general since I was about probably as long as I can remember, but probably six or seven was when I really started thinking I wanted to play music. So um, I've always been into rock music. I've always been into like harder rock, like different things like that. But then for me, I guess, the you know the first time I was really like this is something I can do and like as maybe a career path was when I was 18 and I was in this band called West Haven um they don't exist anymore I don't think but um they did sort of more alternative poppy kind of music and then I got into this probably six months ago give or take so and that was more punk oriented and that was good for me I think because that's kind of more what I gravitated towards uh especially in my when I started in my 20s I'm 22 now so that's probably what I've been more into the past couple of years yeah and just to kind of build off of like like um you know like the moment I decided I wanted to like play forever it's kind of I think when I was like 11, but like when it really hit my first uh, band concert in high school, just like hearing that gave me such like a great feeling. Like that's what I want forever. Agreed. Yeah, most definitely. And it's like far as far as like influences go, like which artists like were you mainly like influenced by like at that time to be within like that whole musical process? For me, I think, God, I'm all over the place. Um, music in general, probably the biggest people I think who influenced me are probably, you know, I come, it's a little bit everywhere. I really like the Dead Kennedys. I really like, I'm a big fan of Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne. Those are two of my favorite artists. Um, and then, and then I guess as far as, you know, genres that aren't like 
more rock oriented. I'm a big Prince fan. That was my first concert I ever went to was Prince. So, you know, different, I'm, I'm all over the place with what influences me, but as far as bass specifically, um, I guess probably my biggest influence would probably be Sting, I guess, from the police. If there was anybody who I'd say I'd try to play like, um, I always admired how he played and I always admired just the sort of just the just the way he played and how he approached bass so that was probably my biggest influence drum influences for me based on like how i play now it took me a couple years to like cultivate but like it's a mix between dave Grohl and that punchy hard hitting just all around everywhere that josh done energy behind the kit and probably like Hmm. You got to think back on this one. Just probably like having that drumline precision like in me because I was also on my drumline. So like all of that together, just kind of what I do. And then especially um, for me as well, kind of like um, I tend to add a lot. Like I try not to play super simple bass lines. I try to add things to them when I can. So definitely different funk bassists like Bootsy Collins and people like that. I think I tried to, I try to add a little something every time I play. At least I, I, I like to. So that's definitely an influence for me as well. Yeah, I build off of that. Like uh, being a jazz drummer, like improvisation is just kind of my go-to. Like I, nothing is ever the same twice. Like if you listen to the recent. Uh, recordings on Bandcamp uh, versus what's on the upcoming album, you'll definitely hear that I don't play the same thing twice ever. Yeah, no, most definitely. And, you know, getting back into the music right now, you have uh, two releases at the moment, uh, So Drained and Me and My Friends. So tell me what were like the creative processes and inspirations uh, like for those songs? Well... So Drained is like an older song. And to me, it's like one, if not one of, is the most personal songs I've ever written. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it was really about like the hard times I was going on, like mentally. Because like at the time I was writing this, I... There was some job issues, there were some health issues, there were some family issues, and I didn't know where else to go. And it's in the song, too. One of the lyrics is, I don't know where to go. I didn't know what, like, how to get myself, you know. It was, like, being dropped into the middle of a cornfield. Like, what do you do now type situation. No, that's a weird metaphor, but that's just how it felt. Um, and me and my friends, we just like one day at practice, we were like bored and we ripped off clues to me by my poster, and that's the song. I don't know how much of a ripoff it is. I've never heard this original song. I haven't heard a song that sounds like that one. Like I said, I could be wrong, but um, wait, hold on. You don't know clues to me by Mike Posner? Nope. If I could write you a song to make you fall in love, I would already have you under my arms. 
I have I used all him. my tricks. Never heard him. I don't know him. I don't know bro. him. Bro. He can walk in my room right now and I wouldn't know who he is. Well, that's no one knows what my posting looks like unless you're like hardcore into music. Like I don't know what my posting looks like. He just looks like a normal like college frat white guy. <laughs> wow. Or he used to. I mean, I'm not. I he has some other songs. Yeah, like I know Mike uh, Posner. I know um he was like very like well known uh, back then, and even now. I mean, back in like 2015, he had like one of the most like well known songs. I took a pill in Ibiza, which That's was only song. popular because of like the remix and all that. So, I think he did actually like come like a long way, like musically in that sense too, like finding the right connections, and then he actually used to you know, do, like, a lot of, like, features for, like, a lot of, like, rap artists and all that, too, so it's interesting to see his growth from performing at, like, you know, Vans events um, to, like, working with, like, rappers and other artists to even having, like, EDM-based, like, remixes on his, like, own did song. So. I'm sorry to cut you off. He did a lot of um, ghostwriting and just writing for other artists, and it was, like, Part of it was lyrics, some of it was music. It depends on the song, of course. But I res- I respect a good pop songwriter as long as the, the song actually has a meaning to it and got a nice melody. I don't care what genre it is. But me and my friends' lyrics are just, it's the same lyric. Yeah. A little different, you know, situation. Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean too. And you know, especially um for those songs, I think they're supposed to be on the project uh, coming up. So, as far as like the upcoming project uh, goes, uh, what's like the creative process and inspiration uh, for uh, Skinwalker? That's a great question. It's um, I'll say this um, while he's thinking, I think that this was and something that I at least my admire um. Obviously, it's not out yet, so I can't speak too much on it. But something I admire about what I've heard so far is that it's very um, it's very collaborative between all of us, I think. I think we all, you know, if we want to change something, it's a very democratic process. And I've definitely been in bands where that wasn't the case. So I think that's something I at least admire about um if not our band as a whole, then at least about this album, because um, I think that we all had some input on at least some part of it. And I think that that hopefully will shine through um, as you listen to it. Yeah, like I've been in the band for like three weeks, (laughs) two practices, one recording session, (laughs) literally. Um, But like for the amount of say I've had in these songs, like it's insane. And I think like, that words collaborative nature is kind of what makes this band keep going definitely um before it, when we were the boogie boards when i was in the boogie boards i did everything pretty much besides drumming because i can't play drums i don't know how to write drum parts so i let the drummer have like full creative control but when it came to lyrics and melody, I I didn't get like, I don't know if I didn't ask for help or 
they, like, lyrics weren't their couple of teeth, so they didn't know how to help. But, like, now, with these guys, like, yeah, I talked to Mario all the time, like, hey, can you help me with the lyrics for this song? He's like, yeah. And there's this one song uh, on the album where I would, like, do a sound effect with my, like, my mouth, like, on my Pia, you know? And Carter decided, you know, I'm gonna play that on bass instead to make it sound a little more, you know, high value production wise. And I, after that, like he understood, and we just do that all the time now, and it's one of my favorite parts of the whole song. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I know, like even with the name too, uh, Skinwalker, it has like a unique uh, twist uh, to it because it kind of reminds me of like you know other songs you know within like that similar context too. So tell me more about that uh, name for that project and like the meaning like around it. This is a that's a very personal question, but I'll try to break it down. What do you mean it's a personal question? Well, if you let me talk, you'll understand. <laughs> yeah. Please help me, because I'm very confused how Skinwalker so, could be personal to you. Um, in Native American or Navajo Navajo culture, a Skinwalker is a witch that can shapeshift the animals. Now, that term is only used for people that are meant to cause harm. So, if it can't be used for like a doctor, that's like you know, cause doctors. What do doctors do? They heal people, so it can't be used for terms like that. And to me, all these songs are about healing in a way. Like the very first song on the album is about recovering from like anxiety around like a breakup, and the second song is literally me saying I don't know what to do without this person. And it's like my, well, in the sense of the song, it's like not like a symptom or other, but it's just, I'm trying not to spoil so much, but I'm trying to give you something. So the whole album to me is like about healing because I wrote these songs within like the last two years. And I'm gonna be honest with you, one I have, uh, I almost died in those two years. So these songs' meanings have changed for me personally, like before that experience and after. So, like how I look at my songwriting is different now. It's like there was this one song, and it was about like, oh, this song is just about like you know wanting to party, and now it's about wanting to do something with my life and be remembered because I don't know if I'm going to live tomorrow. And the last song went from being like a breakup song to being like much more than just a breakup song. It's now about like watching two people's trust and faith in one another decay and how it affected me. And well, you, consider you me t- shocked because I just thought you picked Skinwalker because you thought it sounded cool. It does so sound I cool too. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I it knew does it. sound I cool. Knew that's why you picked it. Trying to come up with a big explanation. I knew why you but picked it. But it is a big explanation because, like, to me, like, 
it's it all ties back to my childhood because like there's a show called Lost Tapes that used to be on Animal Planet. Nobody remembers the show besides me, apparently. And one of the episodes was about skinwalkers. And it was about like this family. It was like found footage about this family on this like ranch. And there's like a skinwalker there that's like eating eating cheap and hitting on women. Not in the fun way. Uh and I was like, you know, that's that's kind of a it's kind of a spooky, spooky idea. But quite me chose Skinwalker just says it sounds cool and I don't I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, self-titled debut baby, just like the rest. Part of me wanted to give it a name with like some meaning behind it that ties into the songs. And I they think that's what we did, because like Skinwalker is you know it to me it's an animal in a sense like some of these songs are like like animalistic like especially like the music side of things because there's a couple of songs that are just stop making that face okay i can see you wait who are you talking to because he was making a face too i i see both y'all Oh, I didn't say a word. Keep going. But some of the songs are more like animalistic in nature and like not the lyrics per se, but the instrumentation. You know, this album's like the right amount of rawness and intensity. Because before, I never really knew how to mix or balance those two things. So it was just like pure lo-fi noise which i like lo-fi music but that wasn't the sound i was going for if that makes sense and this is the sound that's been in my head for two years like this is the sound of my mental breakdowns and every time i ever cried pretty much yeah and he cries a lot so yeah i cry a lot (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Intensity is a good way to break down this album in one word. Like my fucking hands hurt, bro. That's it was blisters on his fingers. There's some blisters. I got blisters on me fingers. Yeah. Like no, we can talk about the studio <clears throat> session another time, maybe when the album's out, so we can get go more into it with the specifics, but. Yeah. yeah. Um. It was one day in the studio, and we did it all, or most yeah. of it. One long day. It was a long day. It was a long day. Yeah. Let me tell you, I came home and went the fuck to sleep. The it was worth it though, because it was like all, like eleven to seven. We all like brought our end game. And I, I told them before we got started that we we're going to make something out of nothing. And to me, that's what art is. What? I said, and we did. Yeah, and we did. We got a couple songs down. I'm not going to say how many because it, anything They're can change. They're punk songs, so the album's only going to be like 20 minutes. 
Yeah, the album's only, the album's gonna be short. Yeah, but I don't because like the thing is like the track list could change, some of the order can change. It's just what we want and what we think will sound best because we're doing this as a collaborative now, and now we're signed to a studio, so we gotta let them give some input too, or we're signed to a label, so they have to have a little bit of input. It's a so. Take the village, you know. Definitely. For real. Yeah, no, most definitely. So, like, you pretty much have, like, some of the expectations, like, lined up. It might be sure there might be a change within track listings and just even with the idea of healing. But are there, like, other, like, expectations that the fans might expect uh, for this project? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I would hope um that all six of our fans would expect um there probably to be a higher production value if that makes sense um probably a bit more uh professional sounding probably a bit not cleaner necessarily but a bit more high audio quality and i think that and i from what i understand so far that it's definitely delivered on that you know we went from recording on what essentially just an iPhone in this room in that very room to you know having a real studio with you know the things hooked up and it's going into a master board and all that so you know I would hope that they would assume and like I said we do deliver on it um that the audio quality and that it's got a bit more production value behind it and like I said I I, I would like to think that we delivered yeah 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 most definitely um as far as like everything else right now i know like right now we're sort of like in a post-pandemic phase out right now and i think performing is like as much crazier than ever like i know some people performed like while the pandemic happened but you know i think now it's more rampant than ever like i think with you guys it's more so the garage shows uh coming up every other time you know maybe like a live show here and there too um but even in other cases too. So for everyone on here, how is it like uh, performing sort of in a post-pandemic? And what did you guys like miss about performing when you were unable to perform uh, live in that sense during the pandemic? Uh, I can only speak for myself, but I only started this project and it only really took me music seriously last year. So all I know is this weird middle stage of a slow burning virus uh i mean I, I hear stories all the time from like my relatives that play music and people that are in bands but i have no personal idea what that was like to play in anything else but these terms and conditions um well i think that as somebody who has done both of it has performed now pre-covid and post-covid um i would say something i missed about it was the money no besides the money um was um definitely um the just the energy that you get from the crowd performing live and the people you see and you know it's nice having like your family and people you know come out and all that so i think that that's something that uh i definitely missed 
not because I know with uh, garage shows, you know, like it could be like packed as ever, you know, even like blocking like the driveway in that sense too, or it could even be like something like way different, you know, like those like 10 fans, like just like waiting in, you know, finding out like what happens. And then that band like goes and they're all in that sense too. And it's kind of unique to see too. I mean, even in smaller venues, like even in bars or in like, uh, Chuck E. Cheese and all that you know it can kind of get like interesting uh, with like that local band like performing like maybe like five of their songs and all that so there are bands that perform in Chuck E. Cheese's <laughs> uh who knows I think uh you know maybe you know I think uh it might have happened at like one point in life you know uh, I would love to do that that would be amazing you say that now and then you do it and <laughs> you uh, why have you done it uh I no, have worked like I wanted to be a teacher and I had to like to do like go to school and like basically teach children. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Chief. I not in a creepy way, but I love kids. So I would fine with that. I saw Willie's Wonderland. I want to stay away from a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> nah, I mean, I know they still have like that whole like mystery about the pizza. If it's actually like good or not, or if it's like actually like round. So Oh, you're talking about like the the slices? Yeah. Oh yeah, they said they took like they take slices from like different well, not only different pizzas, but like they'll get different slices from different places, and then they put it in one whole pizza, and then they basically just sell that as a whole pizza. But then I heard like that it got debunked because like people who worked there figured like people who worked there basically said yeah, it's not true. Yeah. How much but of course they would say that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be like said the same for like other foods and all that. So like in that sense yeah. too, who knows? We as a band only trust Taco Bell. That's true. That is our place. I, I like Chipotle myself. My old band was a Chipotle band. That's what where we went after every practice. And I do Chipotle still holds a special place in my heart and my stomach. But Taco Bell's a lot cheaper and you, you can get a lot of Taco Bell for pretty cheap. So like, yeah. have you tried the uh, the new Gordita Crunch? I haven't. I was asking Josh. Do they, they have Taco Bell's in Canada? Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, I think uh, they have it here and there for a while. So you'll try, like, they'll either have it, like, in the main menu, like, either, like, for the number board or, like, it'll be, like, a special uh, date where they have it for, like, a little uh, limited time only. So, but, yeah, like, we have, like, Supreme Price, too, uh, which we've had that, like, for many years. But, like, I know in the states like they just started getting like fries more recently now so yeah yeah this is is the heart of the interview right here (laughs) yeah but even even so too like what are your go-to uh like um combos uh for talk about like what what do you get like whenever you come pop by and all that Ooh, that's a tough one ethan you Uh, ethan's a he gets the same thing every time i mix it up i order different things i I don't do the same thing every time yes you did because when there used to be the grilled cheese oh yeah that was different that that you the grilled cheese burrito was amazing okay it it was but i don't get it anymore because because it's not on the menu anymore it was limited time they need to bring back the quesaritos that's kind of our motive as a group is that to try to make sure that they bring back that's our big message that's our big message is that to bring back quesaritos and that's kind of our mission with our music we we want to promote 90s taco bell aesthetic as much as we can yeah 
if we can play in a 90s taco bell they have quesaritas in the 90s i think that's a new thing you remember the danny's grand slam we won't do that but a taco bell yeah i think all of that video what the fuck is up then yeah i know that video (laughs) that was funny yeah I think like even in the in the 90s too like a lot of like PepsiCo type products were like very good back then like you know it had like a different feeling. I know uh, Pizza Hut like people still crave about like pizza from the 90s from there and then KFC too so yeah. and now it's kind of like more like manufactured and more like out of taste so you don't know like what you're tasting nowadays and all that. Yeah. It's I think it's a combination of that and everything like the nostalgia of it like you remember things when you're a kid everything was so great and that's so yeah. awesome and now all well, everything sucks so i think it's probably a mixture of that i'm sure it is more manufactured but i think it's a mixture of that and people remember things being better than they probably were i mean um first like i like a good crunch wrap supreme every now and then you know i like a good uh, chicken quesadilla i gotta get the cinnamon twist have you ever had those? Uh, yeah, the cinnamon twists. Like for me, I really don't like them as much. I prefer like because like we have this like thing called like the cinnamon buns and all that. Like the small like oh ones. yeah yeah the yeah. filling. Balls. Like I think those are more goaded than the twists. You know, I think oh for sure the, yeah. That's a that's a bold statement to make. <laughs> I agree with that. I completely agree. Those are way better than the cinnamon twists. But. Uh, McDonald like Taco Bell's like breakfast menu is all right. Yeah, I think surprisingly I've eaten a lot of Taco Bell never had breakfast. Yeah, I think surprisingly for me we don't have like a Taco Bell uh, breakfast uh, nowadays too because they open um, like at twelve, so you're only getting the lunch menu and like that's it. So one of the hits. Yeah. All right. So getting back into part two, uh, part two rhinos, uh, we just finished uh, part one. Uh, how do you guys feel about like the current state of like music right now? Uh, do you feel that it's better than ever right now? Or do you notice like if there's like any issues uh, going on? That's a hard well, question. Um, and I, not the right that's a very rough question. That question. Well, I'm going to try to answer it. Um, okay. I'm a little biased because I think my favorite decade for music is probably the 80s or the 90s. So I'm always going to think that that was like all that was better because all these great songs come out. But I think, I guess the only problem I would have with like today's music industry is I think it's hard for artists that aren't hip hop or pop in general just hip-hop or pop I think does kind of dominate everything and I think it's kind of hard for new rock groups or new alternative groups or new whatever groups to kind of become ultra popular like I don't think that a lot of bands that people love like I think a lot of bands like classic rock bands and stuff like that I think if they were out now I think people probably wouldn't care because I think the market is so shifted towards pop and hip hop and rap that it might not happen. And that's not to say that there's not quality music in hop and hip hop and rap, but that's just to say that it's gravitated towards that. Yeah. Honestly, uh, with me, like I do notice that there is 
like some truth to that sometimes like i know uh with uh, glass animals they were like very uh popular like in 2013 2014 more indie but they didn't recently get popular until now uh with um uh heat wave so like and it was only popular because of tiktok and the amount of music presence like around it too especially there's like other ones with like you know strong fan bases too with uh, Greta Von Fleet and unfortunately Machine Gun Kelly who is sort of a band now but uh we are yeah. talking about him. Yeah. Hey, I will go on record saying I hate Machine Gun Kelly Machine Gun Kelly if there's a chance you are watching this I can't stand you <laughs> I cannot stand Machine Gun Kelly he is the worst but anyway continue I'm sorry yeah because I think in some cases too, like they're allowing artists like within those like niche sounds like rap and R&B to and even pop too to even make like rock hits. So it's more so to replace like that whole pop punk sound and you know bringing like certain like um, features to it, like you know having like Avril Lavigne uh, feature on a song too. So like yeah. I do notice that you know um, rock is sort of being replaced by like pop artists trying to mimic uh, pop punk too so and that's kind of like a weird feeling too and then also you know for bands only needing like one hit only because of tiktok and all that and we could see that with glass animals Greta Von fleet all these other people too so um i i agree with some of what you said but also in a sense like punk and pop punk haven't gone anywhere they just they're like you know hiding under the covers real quick we taking a snooze not even that because like there's still so many like good pop punk bands and punk bands going out right now like one of my favorite bands is mom jeans i hate saying that with a straight face because their name is stupid uh you got like neck deep you got uh the turnover is not really a punk band anymore they haven't been a punk band in a long time yeah. well there's like a lot of like joyce manor yeah. I know this is like leaning towards like more of the old school like 2000s emo side, but you got like just thinking of some other bands. Um, I know Pups like uh, pretty popular nowadays too. I think uh, yes, they're one of the more uh, unique uh, bands uh, right now too. Um, I mean, Taking Back Sunday, like Jack White, and, yeah. Uh, I know Green Day, like they did try to make a comeback with that whole like political album back in like 2016, 2017. Yeah. I think it did sort of make a buzz, but like not as like crazy and all that. But that that album's okay. Like Revolution Radio is okay. It's not their best, but it's not as bad as people say it is, in my opinion. Yeah. But no, um... like what were you gonna say my bad uh, like uh but no it's uh sort of like i think it's kind of we're kind of like in a weird uh, mix right now where i think you know music has to only be popular because of like tiktok uh, right now like you know because of the whole like second situation with uh, attention spans and all that and that's where you know creativity like becomes an issue too like even like some artists who even are creative you know like they don't want to make music for tiktok anymore you know like they already have like a strong fan base to even make more unique songs like even better but i think because of tiktok's like you know most like rising popularity since the start of the pandemic and all that i think you know that's where like labels and like even indie labels are trying to go at like right now to get that hit to get people to tune in and it's life right now 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't like to talk too much smack about the music industry because, you know, I don't want to get in it. Trying to, you know, sneak my way in there. Yeah. But, and also, like, music hasn't been around as long as, long as, as, long as people thought it has been. Because, like, the radio was only popular. got popular in like what the 20s 30s so like when people say like oh this is the greatest band of all time no it's like the greatest band maybe like a century well unless you're talking about queen of course in which case then they are the best band of all time i mean no because like Recorded band wise and like written down wise, there's all this like, and you have to think about how much music is lost over time too. And you know, it's crazy to think about all these bands that could have been big or should have been big, but yet they got like forgotten or passed up or like, you know, kind of like with Elvis, you know, he covered so many bands and those bands never got as popular, even though they wrote the songs, they played it first and maybe even better. Yeah. No, most definitely. And you know, as uh, far as like music goes, I know like there is like real life experiences in within like those songs and within like the stories in that sense too. So like for all of you, how important is it to incorporate like real life experiences and serious like subject matters into your music in that sense? It depends on the song. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I also am not a very prolific lyric writer. That's more Ethan's department than mine, as far as this band is concerned. So I wouldn't say that I do that. But as far as making the lyrics relatable and speak to you, I would say, generally speaking, that that's important. Yes. I feel like when it comes to lyrics, You should always have someone like secondhand checking over them just to make sure they flow. There's no grammatical errors. You're not saying anything that you're going to regret. Because, like, there's some artists out there. I'm not going to name any names, but they're big artists. They say something and it grammatically it's wrong or it's just a bad line that they are going to regret in a few years. I know everyone can like at least think of something like that. Um, I can't. Would you care to give an example? Okay, I'll, I'll give an example. Lil Yachty, when he said, I'm going to shoot this bitch up like Columbine. Yeah, I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, you, you probably shouldn't say that. Also, Columbine was a suicide too, so you're going you're gonna to kill yourself, Lil Yachty? <laughs> yeah. It's funny, but he shouldn't have said it. It's, it is funny, but uh, not in this climate, no. I feel like uh, as writing lyrics, you should have a story. So have that story that you want to tell and then like kind of write it down and make it your song, you know? Like whether it's a real story. And if it is, then that means it's extra close to you and you want to explain it as deep as you possibly can. Or like just something you created just so someone doesn't feel alone. Like just having that mindset in writing is kind of 
what makes a song speak to a person. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree too. I think, you know, it's connectivity in that sense too, because I feel like when you have like lyrics that do connect uh, with certain people based on like situations and based on like the emotions at that time too, like, you know, a song can make you cry, like depending on how deep like the lyrics are, you know? So if it could be like, if I make a song, you know, more so on, you know, writing in that sense too, like if I write, like, you know, if it's like, on the subjective format of writing but i treat it like you know it's like a long-lived sport and all that i feel like it can connect with others like you know with how they feel about something else too like that they can relate like you know like some like a hobby or like even like a sport they play and all that so you in a sense you gotta treat music like you're giving a, a monologue because some songs to me are monologues some songs are just quips and bad quotes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it all depends on the song, of course. All depends on like, you know, because you don't want to be given the greatest, greatest lyrics of all time and have the beat sound like a clown circus show. But you don't also want to like give like the greatest bars about how much of like a nonstop party you are over Marvin's room. Uh, Unless that's what you want. I don't know. If that makes sense. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Like even in that situation too, do you feel like even like uh, do you feel like even like having like these experiences too, like gaining like real life experiences and then going through like various moments in life it, is something that they like the fans enjoy more rather than like a general like story in that sense? Um, I think every song, I mean, it's cliche to say this, but every song is a story in a sense, like me and my friends, those lyrics, it's just one lyric. Me and my friends are going out tonight. Woohoo. I feel like the music tells more of a story than the lyrics do. Because, like, you listen to that song, you know, it's like building up, building up, going, like, oh, it's, it's party time. And then it slows down, like, oh, this is time I got to sober up. You know, I got to take a water break. Then it goes right back into oh party time, and was so drained. It's um telling us like telling a story musically with like the how repetitive the like guitar part is, and then he's listening to what the lyrics are saying about like life's a short ride and all this, and it's just like complement each other you know like like food in a sense and then the distortion kicks in at the end and i the yelling kicks in and that's when the breakdown fully starts yeah excuse um, me yeah no most definitely you have anything to add about that or in y'all's opinion or like what you said with the repetitive guitar parts like in so drained um like it kind of 
gives the illusion of life being a cycle that is tired like that tiring cycle and you're just like at the end of your wit and you don't know what to do and then when you get towards the end and the distortions in and even you're yelling like like um it's just like that last hoorah before the pain stops yeah yeah i really think um you know rascal flats said it best in saying that life is a highway i want to ride it all night long and i think you know that album really captures this and i hear like people Eddie said was like, definitely going for that yeah so i'm i'm i was sucking for the car soundtrack um i heard like i they recently academy like some people could interpret like the yelling because like i wrote a couple songs about my work about working just like you know traditional service industry job like i wrote wrong coast while i was working at a grocery store i wrote so drained back in my head while i was working one time so you can think of it as like so drained is building up like the days are blending into each other and the yelling part is so after your job your crummy job you get into your car and you just scream at the radio yeah no i definitely like agree in that sense too i mean i do feel like some songs like they kind of base it more on that idea of the american dream too and you know getting what you get and it gets like repetitive like all the time like like one example uh billionaire with uh Travi mccoy and uh bruno morris you know like hey i want to be a, billion- a billionaire like so freaking bad and all that you know it's like the idea that you need money to be happy in that sense yeah. too but in that sense you know money can only cause like certain problems like depending on the situation it's not like how it was like in the 80s and 90s where you know you could like live fast like with the money you can like others it's like more so like a risk now yeah yeah i think the notorious big said that best uh along with uh p diddy when he said more money more problems yeah we have a very wide variety of musical influences Yes. And I definitely know what you mean. And, you know, even with like musical influences too, like there's also like television and movie like influences too. So this is like more of a lighthearted question, but uh, what are your favorite movies and TV shows? Ooh. Mm. Well, me and Carter did Bonda for Star Wars. And Seinfeld. And Seinfeld. And, you know, just normal me movies i guess like shrek you got b movie you like jazz mr jazz um but like my like my taste in movies kind of shows with like the titles because like arawak comes from sleepaway camp which is the 80s slasher movie um blood diner it's named after a movie in the 80s uh can't be horror movie um the bay based on a found footage movie uh takes a chainsaw 
you can figure out where that one comes from. Yeah. Uh, I don't think of any other like movie titles that I'm forgetting on the top of my head that I reference. Um, I mean, there's some like unreleased secret songs, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Yeah. No, so saying. yeah, classic slash movies, eighty slash movies, even like you know some two thousands helped me a long way in my healing process. Yeah, because if therapy can't fix your problems, thanks killing can. I oh, will make it worse. And um, but yeah, okay, that works. <laughs> Have you seen Thanks Killing? Terrible movie. Don't watch it. Yeah. Um, I know this uh guy that I recently interviewed a while back too. Um, he's also uh from North Carolina by ways of Vermont too. So he told me that his uh, first band that he had, he named after the actual movie called Mars Attacks and all that. I don't know if you like saw that movie. Can you say it again? Mm. Uh, so um, I had a friend uh, who's uh, from North Carolina by ways of like uh, Vermont. Uh, his first band that he had, he named it after like a movie called like Mars Attacks, like in the 1990s. Oh, it's yeah, the Tim Burton movie. Yeah. yeah. How, did you guys have, ever watch that by any chance? I've, I know, but it sounds interesting. I like anything Tim Burton. I, I think I have seen it in passing. But that's definitely not, that's not even close to like, Top five Tim Burton for me. It's a good movie though. You yeah. should check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I recently have it on the whole like YouTube movies uh thing. So I'll probably have to check that out too. Um, I also saw like this other movie called uh Bliss. Um I definitely uh, recommend it. Uh one of the uh actresses who's also like on uh, Chicago uh, Fire uh, was in that movie. It's more so about a creative, like going through like a lot of like issues uh, in her life, you know, trying to create the best artwork. And then she found her influence from one of her best friends uh, biting someone to death and then like sucking off the blood in that sense. I'll check it out. Wow. Most Is it based on like a true story or? Uh, it's uh creative uh movie like it's like in 20 it's from 2019 and all that uh but it's actually a pretty good movie i'll probably like recommend that uh to the fam to the viewers uh right here like once it's released so all right yeah but yeah um as far as like uh everything uh else uh right now uh what's uh so what do you guys have uh coming up we have a show on the 20th at Common Grounds in Greensboro. And uh, we have a, a special announcement to make about the album. Yeah. This uh, was a big one. Potential. What? What'd you say? What'd you say is like three or four potential shows next month? We have three or four potential shows next month. More about that will come out whenever. Yeah. But by the time, I'm not sure when this video is going up. So. Those shows might have already happened. Some of them, all of them, who knows? Um, but we are hoping to release the album towards late September, early October. 
we want to have it out before we do hollowed out. Definitely. We want to like sit down and listen to it and make sure we have the best song quality possible and fix anything, add, change, whatever to make it as best as we can. Yeah, most definitely. And as far as like, I know like that's sort of like a short term goal right now to get like everything moving, to get everything moving, to like having like these releases and doing these shows too. But as far as like uh, long term goals, like what do you guys see yourself uh, within like three to five years for those long like long term goals? World domination. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, musically. I want after this album, I still have like plenty. I have like an album already written. Fingers crossed, but I want to release like a happier, more poppy sounding beach record versus this, which is more Skinwalker is going to be more heavy punk based. And I want to do like a poppier one to see if I, if I, if we can make a pop record. But, you know, we just want to, have fun, play some shows, make some noise, make some friends, go on a tour, you know, eat as much Taco Bell as we can. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know about this, but um, have you ever had like these like weird like Taco Bell like experiences where, you know, like they have like that most like stereotyped uh, thing where you know, you're sitting in the bathroom for like two hours and all that. <laughs> I don't know if that's personally, like, like a move. Personally, it doesn't affect me like that. No, not anymore. So I used to, but not. I did throw up in a Taco Bell one time, and after I was done throwing up, I went back and finished my food. Like nothing happened. <laughs> Disgusting. But to be fair, whoever made that quesadilla deserves a raise. Because it was a good quesaria. Yeah, no, nah, like, I know for me, like, I've had, like, Taco Bell, like, so many times where, like, nothing really has happened to me. And then I think everything about that is, like, a total myth, like, that you get, like, diarrhea or you get, like, these, like, weird motions and all that. So it's, like... I guess it, de- I guess it depends on, like, who's cooking the food. Yeah. But we could see the same thing too about like Arby's and all that, you know, like you don't yeah. even know like what's in like the horseradish sauce and all that. So it could be like, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? You know, but sometimes lives exist for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, do you guys have any like final uh, remarks that you want to share? Do you want to share like all your socials, personal and uh, for the band and all that too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, add me at Carter C twenty. My name Carter, the letter C twenty at Instagram, and uh, I post content there. So feel free to follow. Uh, feel free to follow, add whatever American Death Cult on Twitter and Instagram. We have a Facebook, but we don't touch it. Um, it's A M E R death cult on twitter and i think it's let me check real quick just right here on my desk in a row i don't make a fool of myself on camera 
Yeah, it's just America. It's America Death Cult band on Instagram. All right. And you can find me Damarion underscore Tyler on Instagram. All right, uh, that's uh, good then. Uh, so this is uh, Josh, also known as uh, Yashu. Uh, and this is episode 16 of TLY Talks. Uh, you could uh, definitely uh, check it out on all streaming platforms, like when it's uh, released in that sense, too. Uh, you could follow like everyone in the band, too. Uh, everyone in the band from American Def Cult to Damarion and uh, Carter as well, too. Um, and yeah, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and all that. You know, a very dope episode, by the way, too. Like, if you check it out, like, It'll be like one for the books in that sense, too. And this is uh, Josh, also known as Yashu, signing off.